0: i is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley, and as the month of March winds down, Women's History Month, you'll note that we've had a plethora of rock star, superstar women leaders in all fields, all disciplines, to visit with you this month. We're going to close the month with none other than the daughter of the Godfather of Soul. Feel good, right? James Brown's daughter, Dr. Yama Brown, is with us today. She is an outstanding person in her own right, having written a book, gosh, now almost five years ago, yes. Cold Sweat. You are a pharmacist yes, with ma'am. your Ph.D. in pharmacy. Mm-hmm. You've raised two amazing children. Thank you. And, and you are working in the community. Dr. Yama Brown, welcome to Perspectives. I know you had a, a big health event just yesterday. Yes,
1: yes. So we teamed up with Kaiser Permanente and with their mobile health unit that they go into the community. And it actually birthed, you know, from the foundation, just to kind of give you a little backstory, The foundation, we do, we continue on Dad's charitable efforts with his turkey and toy giveaway every year and went into music education. But the health initiative is, it's near and dear to me. It's something that I kind of said, well, we need this aspect of it as well. And so we teamed up with Kaiser to go into the communities and serve the uninsured and the underinsured. Because so many of us are insured but still don't have enough insurance to really do the things that we need to take care of ourselves so we did health screenings uh, cholesterol blood pressure diabetes um, health coach counseling um, nutrition assessments just uh, to make sure that the community can get what they need without having to go to their doctor. And not as a substitute for the doctor, but it's just that first step to say, hey, maybe you should follow up with your primary care, yada, yada, yada. So EMOTEP Academy was so gracious to open up their um, grounds for us to park the unit and just serviced, you know, 18 and plus
0: community on up. And we were happy to be there. So now, is this an activity that you're hoping to continue as a part of the work of your the James Brown Foundation as y- you continue forward? Yes,
1: ma'am. I am. I'm hoping that we can team up with Kaiser for more events. We've got some other dates thrown out there, so we'll hopefully be able to do that. And just as an initiative to keep things going, um, we calling it the I Feel Good health event, of course, very apropos. And, um, you know, Dad dealt with high blood pressure and actually prostate cancer before he passed away as an African-American man he didn't want to go to the doctor matter of fact there was a lot of times he was like I'm only going to baby girl go with me <laughs> <laughs> only if you go with me baby and so it was it had come to that point but so many of us have to deal with that with parents grandparents and so I'm definitely going to continue this can't wait for the next event and thank you to everyone that participated in this last one
0: Tell us a little bit more about the James Brown Foundation, that it really did grow out of his turkey and toy giveaways back in the day. That's right. We started, my sister and
1: I, Deanna, started it in 2007, right after Dad passed, and we said... We got to continue the mantle because we were there when he started the turkey and the toy giveaway. And so we did. And it's still in this community. We're happy to say that the toy giveaway is in the James Brown Arena in Augusta. So that's a, a. that's something that he didn't get a chance to see because, unfortunately, it was named the James Brown Arena right before he passed. Now, he was at the naming, but he didn't get a chance to, you know, kind of see this all come to fruition. But um, nevertheless, we do that. And then we have JAMP, James Brown Academy of Music Pupils, which my sister founded. She found it. She knew that there was a need to go into the community even more with music education because dad always used to say, if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't be if it wasn't for the music, I'd be locked up, you know, because he was down, had it down that path. And so many uh, children have come to us and over the years and said, if it wasn't for this camp— I don't know what I'd be doing after school, you know, because they've taken the arts out of the schools. And so it started as a summer camp. Now it's a year round camp. And I would love more than anything to be able to move or or have part of it be in Atlanta because right now it's housed in Augusta. And my sister does a tremendous job of running it. And um, so, you know, that's that's what Jamp does. Jamp goes around to many corporate entities and does corporate uh, gigs, you know, as we call it, with some of our older jampers. And um, they've opened for Prince when he was alive. I mean, they've done some really amazing things, and we're so happy they have new music coming out. Um, So that's exciting, and we, my sister and her husband even launched the James Brown Historical Tour, and so with their transportation company, they teamed up with the foundation and are able to offer people that come to Augusta a tour of Dad's birth home, you know, just where we grew up on Walton Way, and just key um, pointers and places around the city that were near and dear to Dad. So we're taking Augusta
0: by storm. yeah there's that golf tournament that happens there and then there's james brown yes so that, that in uh two words the masters and james, james brown, brown <laughs> absolutely defines yes, ma'am. augusta georgia yes well speaking of growing up on walton way mm-hmm. what was it like for you the baby girl the youngest his youngest daughter child yeah. of, uh, a, you know a superstar yeah i mean especially in like one of our first superstars
1: yes yes well you know growing up you don't realize the magnitude of who you're with in that space you he's know just dad he's just dad and I've always even in my book I've always said that he's just dad to me now Albeit I know what an icon he is. I know his contributions, not only to music, but to community. And Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud is an anthem that someone was just saying to me the other day. That is our anthem, you know, that just empowered us. And to think that he was empowering then at a time when we needed it so much, you know, during the civil rights era. But growing up with him, he was never home. He was the hardest working man in show business. He didn't get that title just being at home, taking us on piggyback rides all Kicking the time. It with the kids. Right. No. But when he was home, he was present after he slept for about a week. <laughs> but he did engage with us, and he always used to take us down to where he grew up in Barnwell, South Carolina, and show us where they pick cotton and do little things. Things like that. We go to the fair, eat chili dogs, and when we could without being mobbed. <laughs> but, you know, it, he tried to make it normal. Him and my mom tried to make it as normal as possible. And thank God it was before social media. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what that would be like? No, I cannot. No, I cannot. Knowing how much my father just enjoyed being himself and he wouldn't have cared about a camera for anything. So, I bet that would have been a lot of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of memes. There's
0: already memes of them, but a lot more memes. <laughs> How old were you when you came into your full understanding that your father was a civil rights icon because he could go and he could perform and do things with the likes of Dr. King and others that mm-hmm. would draw out right. you know, the community for the cause? When did you know that not only was he that leader but then that he was also you know a musical prodigy yeah
1: well it was kind of early on that I realized he was a musical prodigy Um, I would say probably about 10 or 11 years old but I really didn't know about him being a civil rights you know so so heavily in the civil rights until I was probably in my latter years of high school Um, because that's when I learned a little bit more and delved into it a little bit more and tried to understand that time and, and where we were at that time, which was the 80s. Um, and so it was really then that I realized who he was and what he had sacrificed so much um, in at a, at a time when it just wasn't Vogue to do it. And I just, adored him that much more all over again. You know, he went to prison when I was in high school. And at that time, you know, I was thinking to myself, all I could think about is, am I gonna be able to go to college? He learned all along the way, but what I learned from him was humility and and just to keep on fighting no matter what. And, and so I just gained so much respect for my dad, um, During that time, even more than I had from him as a musician and as an entertainer and and as an innovator, but just as a man. And as a black man in, a, in America, where right.
0: did this passion for health and health care and your desire to, to study pharmacy, where was that in you? You
1: know what? It came from just being able to help others. Yeah, I knew early on that I was not going to be a singer.
0: <laughs> How'd you find that
1: out? <laughs> I did not have the pipes. <laughs> no Mariah Carey's or Whitney Houston's over here. <laughs> um But I did try to do some of dad's music. I remade um, one of his songs when I was in pharmacy school, believe it or not. I got up a little nerve and um, did another record and actually got a chance to tour a little bit. But I quickly realized that it took more than just belting out those tunes in the studio, that it was a lot of hard work being on the road. I mean, I had been with him on the road, but I wasn't entertaining. I got all the perks of being on the road. But I didn't have to do that hard work. It was a truly a production and a two hour production and interviews and, you know, television appearances and meetings. And, and so I got a chance to go with him to that. But still, it's it's at a, it's on a different perspective. And when I got put into that, you know, that whole world, I said, I ain't cut out for this. I don't have the passion for it. My passion lies somewhere else. And so I just continued on pursuing my degree. Very happy to say that I've been practicing now for 21 years. And um, pharmacy's been great.
0: When you wrote your book Cold Sweat, Mm -hmm. 5 years ago remind our listeners the story that you wanted to tell and what you wanted us to know.
1: Yeah. I started writing the book 3 years before it came out. So it's been 8 years now since I started writing it. It was about 2011 and I had been through divorce court, criminal court and a state court. And I just said I got to write. I got to put my thoughts down and you know to where I got to I was at that point where you know, I was a domestic violence survivor at that time, but had also lost my kid's father and my abuser. So I was at a very, very emotionally just just an interesting time in my life of all the emotions that I felt. Um, but I knew that I didn't get there by accident. I had learned some things along the way, and I had unfortunately seen unhealthy relationships, which... I won't say put me there because it was my choice to, to choose that person, but to predispose you to what love doesn't look like, you know what I mean, if, so to speak. You're and saying you
0: thought it would be different?
1: I did. I did. And I told myself that I would never get in an abusive relationship. That's not going to happen. But my idea of abuse was physical abuse. I didn't think about the emotional abuse that I was going through, the financial abuse I was going through um, because he was making all the money and he was, you know, trying to tell me what to do with, you know, certain things or whatever or where we're going to live or, you know, just all those type of things, little things that they control. But emotionally, he just tore me down. Emotionally, it was a, a wreck for me. So it start It didn't start off like that. It never does. He started off like a, you know, a charming prince. And I had this fairy tale in my head of what it was going to be like. And I write about in the book. I call him my, you know, my knight and shining armor because he came in and told me everything I wanted to hear and it wasn't real. And so I just fell into that. And it wasn't until, like I said, until many years later, even after we got a divorce and after he was murdered. I just really said I've got to own up to my part in all of that, my part in allowing that to happen to me, and just put out a book because I felt like it would help people. And I know people are drawn to dad because of who he is and his celebrity, and they may not be as interested in my story. But when I correlated it, To how I grew up and how so many communities, whether it be black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. It doesn't discriminate. They could relate to the story. And I tried to do it in a respectable way um, because I didn't want it to seem like I was tarnishing his name or trying to tarnish his name because I can never tarnish his name because he, you know, he has so many great things that he has done. Um, But I just had to speak my truth. And I felt like
0: that was more important than anything else for my healing. How did you protect your children from that? And how have they emerged as adults considering the challenges you experienced when they were so so young?
1: Yeah. So I felt that, and 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 when I left, I'll just say this, that was a couple of days before I was going to bury my father. I was bruised all over my body. I had a torn cornea, just knots on my head, everything, and we were getting ready to bury dad. Um, and so I'm thinking, why am I going through this? Why? Why am I allowing myself to be in this? And so from that moment, I knew that that was it. Now, the kids never saw anything, but of course they heard things. I mean, we try to protect them and say, oh, they didn't. But we're just lying to ourselves. They, yeah, they got it. big ears. Yeah.
0: Little kids got big
1: ears. Yes. Yeah, so they you know, they knew. Um, But I think it was because I was strong enough to leave and said I wasn't going to tolerate it, even though things did get tough financially for me. Um, And but I just stuck it out. And I said, that's what I went to school for. And I'm going to raise you raise you kids the best way I know how. And I did. And then, unfortunately, he he was murdered. And I say, first of all, it's unfortunate to lose any family member, but to lose your father at such a young age, I lost my dad at 35, and it, it just felt like it was too soon. You know, I felt like I could still have him right now.
0: because yeah, he was only, he was what, 70, 73. Yeah, he
1: mm-hmm. was really 73. And, um I 73. And so I was young when I lost him, and matter of fact, I wasn't 35. I was 33, now that I think about it. And I was 35 when their father was murdered. And having to raise two young kids, I, I mean, I, in my mind, I'm thinking... I'm doing everything right. I'm getting married. I'm having my kids, you know, so I won't be a single mom, you know, and, and I'll have help. And even if we get a divorce, I wasn't thinking that then, but even if we get a divorce, it's not the end of the world. They'll still have their father to be around. And then when he was just taken away from him, I was so upset. I was so angry because how dare you do this to my kids? whoever it was, you know what I mean? And it just, it's been tough because emotionally they've gone through PTSD. I mean, PTSD their whole lives because it's traumatic to lose your parent and then to lose them in such a horrible way is is even more stressful. And And so my kids have, you know, not been... Always great. I'm not going to sit up here and lie about that. It's been tough, um, especially for my daughter, but for both of them. But I will commend my son, and and I knew I was doing something right when he came to me and he said, "I need to see a counselor." Now they had gone through grief counseling when they were younger, and then once they got a little bit older, you know, they felt like they didn't need it as much. And my son said, "I get angry at the littlest things, so I need to go and speak to someone." So that I can work through this so that I don't take that anger out on other people. And he did. He started going to a therapist. And he he is so great. I mean, he is just the greatest young man and caring to people. We call him ton of caring. And we put we put a little spin on his name because it's caring ton. Ton of caring. And and that's just his personality now. And and so I I'm, I hope that I'm raising great kids and they're doing good things. You know, my son's getting ready to go to college. My daughter's in her second year of college. Um, she and I actually just launched a skincare line together because she's in beauty and skincare marketing and management. So she's in her second year of college, a co-owner of a new company. So I, I, I
0: think we're doing all right. It sounds as if you are. <laughs> I wanted to ask you because the entertainment landscape is is so great these days Mm -hmm. what do you think how do you feel when you've seen artists such as you know of course we can talk about eddie murphy and the wonderful impressions that he did of your father but then to see how he influenced artists like the late michael jackson Mm -hmm. how he influences bruno mars who is like the it entertainer of today yes and you see and you see at least when I watch Bruno Mars, mm-hmm. I see your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear Prince. I mean, there are just so many. He's such a talent. That has mm-hmm. to make you feel some kind of a way. It makes me feel great.
1: Every time I see it, you know, I don't get this like, oh, they're stealing something or what. It's just like homage to me, you know. And for his music goes on forever because of people like Of Michael Jackson. I mean, Michael Jackson came to the funeral, for goodness sakes. I mean, he flew back home from Bahrain just to be at the funeral. And well, he was in Bahrain at the time, you know, he was living there. But it it makes me have that even more respect for him. Like I was talking before, you know, I learned about the civil rights. But then when you get to meet people that you consider your icon, so to speak. You know, I grew up with Michael Jackson and even though James Brown was my dad, I wanted to listen to Michael <laughs> and, and and Natalie Cole and all these, you know, wonderful artists. And so for them to come back and say, your dad influenced me this much, it just, it, it just makes you feel good inside because you know because I know that I have his blood going through my veins, and, and that that's just greatness,
0: you know? So. And his talent is emulated in others, and in that way, he continues to live on. That great legacy is there. That's right. I mean, even so recently, uh, it actually just came
1: out. Palms did, like, a new little ad that they're doing for Palms Resort in, in Vegas um, for their casinos. And it's a mashup of Goodfoot. And so to be able to see his music remixed with new artists, there's all these tons of new artists, Cardi B is on it, and you know, it's, it's, it's just wonderful to be able to see because I know he would be happy. You know, when the rappers first started ripping off his music, he wasn't so happy, but when they start paying him for his samples, he was like, this is great, as long as you don't degrade women and he wasn't so keen about alcohol being, you know, a whole thing. But you know, we all have free speech, and 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 that's what music is—an expression. But he was—he loved it. He said, "Cause it's gonna forever keep me young. I'm always be out there." And he's right. It's always going, and we still get requests all the time for his music, and it, it just—it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. I feel good. <laughs>
0: Dr. Brown, what is it that you want readers to take away from your book? Yes. So
1: for anybody that may be going through abuse, I want them to realize that they can get out of it. And when I say they can get out of it, it's not that I'm promoting if you're in a marriage that you get a divorce. I'm saying that you can get help. You can go to somebody. You can talk. It's not your fault. And you can learn ways to either... Go to like couples therapy and all that to see whether or not you can get out of it or learn ways to position yourself to get out and just know that you can and you're strong enough and you are enough. So that's what it's for those people. But for the people that are reading it that aren't abused and just love James Brown, it's for you to get a new insight into how he was as a dad because everybody knows him as an entertainer. If you were so lucky to be able to go to a concert or anything like that, you know how electrifying it it was to see him. And to be able to give that softer side to him and that side of him that was so about his business, he was like show business is 85% business and 15% show. And he, he drilled that. He drilled that into us. And so he's like, always handle your business. And so I just wanted to bring that side out and show it from somebody who grew up around him. I didn't have to make it up. I saw it on a firsthand basis. And just to give a little bit more insight about somebody, hopefully they loved his music and they got to see what he gave up as a father, as a husband um, and family, to give to the world and to give back to other people that he thought needed it more. You
0: were the favorite, weren't you?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say that. My sister Deanna would beg to differ. She of was the she does. one. She was the one that was on the famous Soul Train clip that you see her dancing and with the matching suits. So I was a little bitty girl then, but she was the one. So, but you know, I was daddy's youngest. So I'm, I'm
0: gonna take that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. Dr. Yama Brown, thank you again so much for pa- partnering with Kaiser yesterday and yes. bringing health care into the community where folks may not have ready access to it. And just to get checked, we'll look forward to... More of those in the community. If our listeners want to know more mm-hmm. about the James Brown Foundation, if folks may be planning a trip to Augusta and might want to take advantage of that tour, yes. where can we go online to get more information? Absolutely. www. James
1: Brown Family, FD dog, N as in Nancy.org. So James Brown Family, FDN.org, has all the information about the tour, JAMP. Um, just everything coming up that we're doing and any health events that we have
0: will definitely be there as well. Thanks for coming by and seeing us again. Don't take so long to come back and visit. I know. Thanks for having me. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back.